0: Hi, travelers. You can listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Go ahead and check out the description of this episode so you can find the link to our link tree, get access to all of our socials as well as our YouTube channel so you can watch all of our episodes in full. Okay, today is Thursday, November 30th. Awesome show today, guys. Going to have on Jeff Fletcher, recurring guest, uh, writes for uh, a magazine in Los Angeles, follows Shohei Ohtani, follows uh, the Angels very, very closely. Going to get an update on Shohei Otane, what he's thinking in the offseason, being a free agent, what the Angels are doing this offseason to get back to their winning ways, get back to the playoffs. Um, everything touched based on with him including with the Angels and Shohei Otane. Awesome, awesome interview coming up with him. Before, though, guys, I do want to get into breaking down some football. We'll get into uh, Thursday Night Football preview, and then we're going to break down last week's college football slate and this do we upcoming have to? championship. Week. <laughs> Thursday, you don't want to break oh down God, Thursday Night fine. Football? Oh, uh, oh yeah. Ohio, Michigan? Yeah. yeah. Ohio State, Michigan? Yeah, well, we'll get to that. I'm sure just you have a lot to bit. say, Zach. I'm I'm sure you you want to have a you know words on that. But let's go. Let's do the Thursday night football preview first, and then we'll get right to Ohio State, Michigan, Cowboys, Seahawks. Actually, has a potential to be a pretty good game. Seahawks have been pretty bad recently, though. Cowboys have been absolutely explosive. It really just depends on what Seahawks team shows up. Uh, it really is a tale of two sides. It's, it seems like with this Seahawks team, I mean, one side shows up. Takes care of the ball, has pretty good offense, and then another side, uh, terrible defense, turnovers, you know, plenty, and I don't really know what side of Geno Smith is going to show up today, but whatever one does show up, I hope it's the better version of him and makes it a pretty close game for Thursday night football against the Cowboys. Yeah,
1: well, it better be if the Seahawks are going to have a chance, because the Cowboys have won 13 straight at home, I mean, you looked at their home games this year, they've been absolutely dominant at home they've been the best home team in the nfl and this is maybe the best defense in the nfl Micah parsons could be the defensive player of the year but so could deron bland because he's got five pick sixes this season so the cowboys are explosive pretty much everywhere from their offense to their defense seattle's in a stretch where they're playing the 49ers twice cowboys and the eagles so six and four can be six and eight real quick if they don't turn this thing around geno did not really look all that great last week, but that was without Kenneth Walker. Doesn't sound like Kenneth Walker's going to play tonight. And if he doesn't, I think it's going to be really difficult for them to go to Dallas and win this game because you could make the argument the Cowboys are playing as well as anybody in the NFL right now. The Eagles now have the best record. The 49ers are great. Cowboys on a neutral field could be as tough as anybody.
0: Yeah, Cowboys on a thirteen-game winning streak, and Seahawks. This is a or at home, I should say, a winning streak at home, and then uh, this is a must game, must-win game for Seahawks to stay in the playoff consideration. I mean, I know you hate that word, Zach, must-win, but really is with the NFC. Especially, it might apply just, here. I don't think. Yeah, I don't, they can't. I mean, especially at this time of the season. I know. I think you hated saying it more in the early mm-hmm. part of the season, but we're at that part of the season now where. Uh, definitely you can start to say must win definitely applies to a lot of games. I, I don't think they can really afford to go six and six, especially like I said, with pretty how competitive surprisingly the NFC has been this year. Uh, and, but yeah, like I said, for me, it's just whatever side of the Seahawks comes up. I mean, if it's the, you know, the Seahawks team we saw against the 49ers on Thanksgiving, that's not going to get it done. But you know, if it's the Seahawks from the earlier part of the year where Gino is playing pretty well, all things considered and take care of the ball, I think they have a chance to give the Cowboys a run for their money. But, I mean, still, I mean. Well, yeah, it it's is just... December
2: now, so not just about December, but last day in November. But uh, yeah, I mean, six and six does not not count for it. I mean, it does, but for now, but it could be six and eight.
0: What are you thinking about this game, Justin? What's your prediction?
2: I think I I think Dallas is going to win this game. Seattle, I think, yeah. is just. I mean, they're they're starting to. You know, shoes start the other shoes starting to drop for them, and it doesn't look too good for the Seahawks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you think where do you think Geno Smith is going to end up next year? Because I think they're going to draft. I mean, I think Penix actually has been on the on the minds of many of the Seahawks fans. I know I've been hearing that from many people that that Seahawks might end up in the draft order to get Penix, which would be kind of funny, you know, being down the road. But yeah, but I think Geno Geno Smith will go after. I think
2: Geno Smith. Will still be with the Seahawks. He might just be the bridge quarterback for Penix, Let's say, yeah,
1: no, that's exactly what he is. Yeah. And I wonder if the cap, the uh, Seahawks regret perhaps not using their draft capital to trade up for a quarterback last year.
0: Well, I guess they might have had you know look. They might have been looking ahead to this year, being how loaded it is, and like I said, being their guy that they have eyed up right now, being down the road at Washington. And uh, yeah, I think, I think you're right. He's just a bridge quarterback for the next quarterback that comes in. He, but do you think he's going to be, he'll be a starter on another, another team down the oh, line. Yeah. Don't you yeah, guys think sure. he'll be, he'll, he'll yeah. be a starter somewhere else. I don't know how much, I don't how, I don't know how much more he has on his contract, but um, I'm sure they'll trade him or do something with him. And, you know, many, many teams right now desperately need quarterbacks. And I still think he's all things pretty, I mean, all things considered still an awesome quarterback mm. and, just take care of the need to take care of the ball a bit better, like he was at the beginning of his career, and then he'll be back to, you know, at least at least a, a game a game managing quarterback, uh, middle of the tier middle middle tier quarterback. Moving on, guys. I know we have to do it. Yeah. Zach, college football uh, preview or recap from the recap from last week of college football. We do want to start with Ohio State Michigan. Let's yeah. just start it right there. Rip off the Band-Aid. get it done with. Um, wild under the game. Uh, we all know Rod Moore interception. In Michigan territory with 25 seconds left, sealed the 30 to the 24 victory for the Wolverines on Saturday. Uh, you know, so what is, I mean, Game win streak for Michigan continues with Ohio State. I think yep. they're a 3-0 right now against Ohio State. So Zach, what are your thoughts on this? How do you feel about this well, after this past week we weekend? found out
1: Kyle McCord clearly is not the guy. I mean, Ohio State fans have been spoiled having Justin Fields, CJ Stroud, Dwayne Haskins, all these great quarterbacks over the years. And it's obvious that Kyle McCord is not one of those guys. And Marvin Harrison Jr. can only take you so far. He's one of the best players in all of college football, certainly going to opt out before Ohio State's bowl game. But The fact of the matter is the team that wins the rushing department always seems to win this game. Michigan won the rushing department yet again. And this Ohio State defense, which has been so good for so long this year, you know, last year they gave up a lot of big plays. This year it was more of a bend, but don't break. But the problem is they, uh, Michigan's last drive started with eight minutes to go. And by the time Ohio State got the ball back, there was only a minute to go. So they let Michigan just run the ball down their throats and basically eat up time and Here's the thing about Ryan Day. He's 56-7 as a head coach. That's, on the surface, it's great. He's 1-6 and against top five teams, against teams that I say is equally talented. Ohio State wins 10 games a year by showing up because they are the most talented team in the Big Ten. Ryan Day needs to be able to elevate his team in those games where the talent is relatively equal and he's never been able to do that. So I'm not saying Ryan Day should be fired, but I think he needs to take a long look in the mirror because... Ohio State had lost one time to Michigan under Jim Tressel and Urban Meyer, and he's already lost three times to them in the last three years. So he's got to take a long look in the mirror. A lot of things have to be different. I realize Michigan's a better team than they were in those days, but Ohio State had every opportunity in the world to win this game, and they just didn't do it because Ryan Day, I think the last two years, in 2022, he prepared to beat the 2021 version of Michigan, which, I mean, that version was not – the team last year. Mm-hmm. And I think this year he prepared to beat the 2022 version of Michigan. So something's wrong in the coaching department. Michigan's a great team, certainly. But Ohio State had every opportunity to win this game, and they didn't do it. So here, uh, uh, the fans in Columbus, we're starting to lose patience with Ryan Day a little bit.
0: Yeah, I know. The last time the Buckeyes lost three straight in the rivalry was back in 1995, 1997. Zach, like you kind of alluded to, before Day came in, Ohio Ohio State have won eight straight of the, you know, of the matchup between Michigan, 15 of 16 against Michigan uh, overall. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's been been bad. Sharon Moore out coached day. Yep. Michigan went for three on three on fourth downs implemented its backup quarterback for a couple of plays as well. You know, got him in the game, you know, definitely just outplayed him. Kyle McCord, like you said, not really the guy, Blake Corm dominated the Buckeyes though. 22 carries for 88 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he got the yardage and the scores when they needed Well, that's them, the thing. Ohio noticed. state did a pretty
1: decent job against the run. Like Michigan last year, broke a lot of big mm-hmm. plays. It really didn't do that this year, but I mean, Sharon Moore going for it on fourth down. Ryan Day didn't go for it on a fourth down at his own 46-yard line when he had an opportunity to do that. Ryan Day comes into this game, and he coaches scared. It seems like he's paralyzed by the moment where Sharon Moore just let it all hang out, and that's really kind of the difference. Ryan Day's – the last couple of years against Michigan is coach not to lose, and if you coach not to lose, you're invariably going to.
0: What do they have to do to make the playoffs? Well, what has to happen, I should say, Oof. ahead of them? To um, make the playoffs? I mean – Besides the obvious who team no, yeah. losing. Yeah, so but.
1: I think it would be Georgia has to beat Alabama, certainly. Um, Oklahoma State has to beat Texas. Mm-hmm. I think Louisville has to beat Florida State. And I think if those three things happen, I think Ohio State would get in because then it would be Georgia, be Michigan, Pac-12 winner, Ohio State. So that- I think those all three of those things have to happen. My guess is that's not going to.
0: Yeah, we'll get to Florida State in a second here. I don't really know what – I feel like Florida State has to – even I, – I feel like – well, we'll get to that in a second. I, I feel like Florida State has to dominate Louisville this weekend and have yeah, a chance I think to they in, if stay they were, in it, especially with yeah. Travis. Yeah. You think I, so?
1: I, do I think they're one of the four best teams? Not necessarily, but I don't think that an undefeated Power 5 champs getting left out.
0: Yeah. Well, let's move on, though. We'll get to them in a second. Washington um, has first undefeated – season in Pac-12 history. Yeah, about that? Um, what, yeah, right? I mean, a great decision to go for it on fourth and one on Washington's 29. Uh, ended up winning the game, obviously, for Washington. Awesome, awesome win for them. Uh, did get the Apple Cup by beating Washington State this past weekend. Um what do you think about Pennix play, though? A little concerned? They didn't have the best game, all things considered, and especially a little bit concerning heading into this. No, and I can origin. see why
1: Washington is a nine and a half point underdog. I think that's too many points, but I mean, Washington in the last couple of weeks, they yeah. have not looked all that impressive. I mean, they barely got by Arizona State. They barely got by Stanford, barely got by Utah. And then this week barely got by Washington State. I mean, Pennix has looked good at times, but his decision-making leaves something to be desired. I do like that Kalen DePoor decided to go for it. On fourth and one at his own 29-yard line, ran a reverse. I mean, that you talk about a ballsy call. That certainly was that. And, I mean, they're in the situation they want to be. And I think it's weird because Washington has to play Oregon in a rematch where Michigan doesn't have to play Ohio State. Like, that's why I've always said get rid of divisions, just put the two best teams in the championship game. And it's almost a little unfair to Washington mm-hmm. that they have to beat Oregon for a second time or they're going to be left out entirely when they went out and handled their business yeah. in the regular season. But that's neither here nor there. Good but point. Washington being undefeated is a remarkable feat because, as you mentioned, the Pac-12, it's never happened before. This is a conference that plays nine league games. And it seems like the Pac-12 has cannibalized itself so many times over the years. And now this year you get a top five matchup where the winner is going to go to the playoffs.
0: No, it's gonna ha- it's gonna happen. Well, yeah, it's basically gonna happen again. I shouldn't really say cannibalize. I mean, at least one team's gonna get oh, yeah. it from the yeah, pack. Yeah, whoever go. wins that game in but Yeah, but not. Yeah, and it's not even like Washington's first undefeated season. It's the Pack 12s, yeah. like you, like we said, Zach. It's the Pack 12s first since they moved season. to 9 conference games. I think. Right, right, right. I think um, I think that's still like you said too, nine and a half points is way, yes. way too much. The thing about Washington is like I think Oregon is playing its best yep. ball right now. They're probably. I mean I, I think yeah, they're top four team in the good. country and they probably should be in the playoffs. Definitely. Yeah. I mean their run game is amazing. We'll get to that in a little bit later when we you know, preview the matchup coming up against Washington. But Washington does find ways to win though. That's the only reason I would say that nine and a half point uh you know, mark is a little bit too high because even though they do it ugly sometimes, they do Washington has been known this whole year to find ways to win, whether no, no matter what way it is, they still find a way to win, despite how close it is, despite how yep. ugly it is. So, But like I said, we'll get to that a little bit more later when we preview the actual game coming up, the actual uh, Pac-12 title game against Washington and Oregon. But let's move on, though, first, the Alabama-Auburn. Um, another crazy ending, right? Another game that ended, uh, well, not in a field goal, but a yeah. last-minute play, I should say. Um, crazy Crazy, crazy game. Um, What do you guys – what's your initial reaction? Uh, Whoever Hugh Freeze's defensive
1: coordinator is should be fired for that defense on fourth and goal mm -hmm. at the 30-yard line. How in the world do you give up a touchdown there? Of course, they also botched a punt before that that kind of set that opportunity up. But this is a game that Alabama got out of jail, and they were able to win. I mean, every time they go to Auburn, it seems like something weird happens, whether it's the kick six in 2013, whether it's they lose to the number one team in 17 – uh 2019 was a wild game then 2021 if tank bigsby doesn't go out of bounds they lose that game as well so no matter what auburn's record is we talked about last week no matter what auburn's record is every time alabama goes there it's always a close crazy game and it certainly was in this instance auburn should have won this game and hugh freeze you know he beat nick saban twice at ole miss should have done it again this time but Jalen milrow give him a lot of credit i mean from week two to where he's at now. He has developed as well as any quarterback in all of college football. Terrific thrower Mm -hmm. of the football. We know that he's an outstanding runner. And as bad as Auburn's defense was, Jalen Milrow and Isaiah Bond still had to make the play, and they certainly did. And so now Alabama goes to the SEC championship game. They don't control their destiny, but they're pretty close to controlling their destiny, and they got away with one.
0: Well, I was going to ask that. I mean, do you think, If they beat, do you think it's enough just to beat Georgia to be in it? Or do you think more has to happen too? I mean,
1: in all likelihood, if they beat Georgia, they're going to get in. The only thing that would not put them in the playoff, I think, is Florida State wins, Pac 12 winners getting in for sure. Michigan, you can't put Alabama in over Texas. You just can't because Texas beat Alabama by 10 points in Tuscaloosa. So that's the only scenario that I think Alabama and the SEC in general. Would get left out. Now there will be some big arguments over that, but there is no justification whatsoever for putting Alabama in over Texas.
0: This is why uh, this is why the debate for the playoffs are so awesome because it it just gets so messy at the end because there's always three four teams that should be in that just can't get yeah, in. Yeah, that's like, why
2: on, that's why next year is going to be much more interesting when they add these yeah. these teams into the playoff. Yeah.
0: Did you guys see, you know, on Twitter, a lot of people were posting what it would be if it ended yeah. today, like the season ended going into this week and what the 12, uh, structure, 12 team structure would be. It looks, yeah, it looks awesome. I can't wait. Some of the matchups are awesome too in the first round, not even, you know, the second. So yeah, I can't wait for it. And it's going to be messy for sure. And uh, I can't see a world where both Alabama and Georgia no. get in. This is, this is no way I can see that, but, um, I still do think FSU has a chance to be left out, even if they do win against Louisville, because I think the committee definitely wants to put the best teams in, obviously, and even though they're going to be undefeated, they still lost Travis, and I think they still have some issues as well. And we'll get to that you know, when we preview their game coming up against Louisville. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see and definitely wouldn't want to be on the committee for sure. Uh, let's move on to Louisville, though. Louisville is in the ACC championship game, of course. They do lose this past weekend yep. though um yeah i mean bad bad loss for louisville yeah. zach let me ask you this do you think they had a chance for the playoffs if they would have continued uh, if they would have won, going it would have been weekend?
1: very unlikely for them to make the playoff because the pit yeah. loss just sticks out like a sore thumb pits a bad team that would have been by far the worst loss of any of the playoff contenders i don't think they ever really had a shot but this no doubt killed <clears throat> excuse me killed that off and mm-hmm. i mean you give up 38 points to a Kentucky offense that's struggled all season long, and especially, you know, big plays. A kickoff return touchdown. Ray Davis had a long rushing touchdown late in that game. That's a galling loss for yep. Louisville, especially with Jeff Brom and a guy that certainly understands the rivalry in a way that Scott Satterfield, the previous coach, did not. But, yeah, that, that that's a tough yep. loss. But they've got, you know, they got a real shot this week against Florida State. It started on Sunday. The line started at six and a half. It's all the way down to two and a half on Thursday.
0: Oh, they definitely have a chance. I think Louisville sure. absolutely has a chance against Florida State. And how about Brom too? Jeff Brom, first coach in NCAA history to take two different teams to yep. back-to-back title games. He did it with Purdue last year in the Big Ten. So, yeah, I mean, good, good for Brom for sure. And I think it's we'll get to that game in a little bit. Obviously, like I said, we'll pre, we'll preview the game a little bit more. FSU, Louisville coming up, but I definitely think um, Louisville has a chance to beat FSU. Kentucky though, just a shout out to Kentucky. Ray Davis continues to be un- unbelievable. Uh, obviously, their season's probably – I mean, they'll get a bowl game, Kentucky, probably. Yeah, get. yeah. They're, uh, Ray Davis has just been unbelievable this whole this whole year. 14 carries, 76 yards, one touchdown. Um, I mean, he's just been the whole – he's been the biggest off, I mean, the biggest piece of offense for Kentucky the whole season long. He's been playing absolutely amazing. So, just shout out to Kentucky. Good win for them. The running game is what obviously did help Kentucky take down Louisville this past weekend in Lexington. It wasn't oh, was, – No, Lexington. it was in Louisville. Oh, no, was it in louisville iowa nebraska um terrible game i watched it at the gym it was terrible um, ab- iowa averages 18 points a game <laughs> on the year they after this saturday um, will pre- we'll, unfortunately we will preview <laughs> but there's not the, much to preview there. the the game they have against michigan coming up but yeah this game was just terrible six of the lowest points Six of the lowest point totals on record have Iowa, come yeah. from Iowa games over the past two yeah. years. So the record of NCAA, six of the lowest point totals have come just from Iowa games. Um, yeah, I don't really know what else we have to really say about this game, to be honest, but it's just Big Ten West, awful. They open up as 21.5 point underdogs to Michigan. That should oh, never Oh, no, the best be parts on draft games, a you can get
1: over under for. How many points I was gonna score in a half, it's the over under is 0.5.
0: <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. In yeah, a half. half points, wow. So you
1: get bet whether they're gonna get shut out or not.
0: So what do you think do you think ten points would be a massive victory? If Iowa scores Iowa ten points, game? yeah, right. that's
1: a massive victory. I think that's about what it's gonna take for Michigan to win Which... the game. Maybe t- they might if they score a touchdown, that might be enough.
0: He's um I mean yeah, I mean, they, he might. They might though, because if Michigan gets up by so much, they might just yeah. obviously yeah. take their foot off the gas a little bit. But Iowa's punter though, has been pretty good. Uh, Tory Taylor, he's probably been the best punter all season. That's really all Iowa has to its name. I mean, he's yeah, yeah. It's good point. I mean, a master at pinning yeah. teams though. Uh, he's so good at pinning teams and is definitely have a, he'll have a chance in the NFL for sure. I mean, the way he plays. So, but yeah, Big Ten. West just awful. Um even though I was tending 2 they are not among the top 2 teams in the Big 10 and like I said we said it last week uh La- Ohio State Michigan was the was the Big 10 title game. Let's move on though. Let's actually start the preview championship week. Um I do want to start with yeah. Oregon and Washington. Let's start with that game first. Going to be a big I expect mm-hmm. a lot of scoring. Washington has 8.8 yards per play they're first in the uh in the nation and Oregon is third most points per game in the nation. Uh, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, not really much else to say. Uh, Time of possession is going to be huge in this game, though. Oregon is second nationally on the year on third down defense, and Washington is 17th on third down offense. And on the flip side of that, Washington is 87th in the league on third down defense, while Oregon is ninth best on third down offense. So it's going to be, you know, who can keep the ball the longest, who's going to be on the field the longest for the offense, because it's going to be most likely a one-score game. I think every one of these games this weekend could be a one-score game, except obviously um, Michigan and Iowa. But what do you think about this game, guys? What are your ex- expectations, Bo Nicks, Michael Penix? I mean, it's going to be an awesome game well, this, in, uh, in the Pac-12. This is the
2: best quarterback matchup out of all of the Mm -hmm. championship games. And I think we're going to, I think this, you know, is probably going to be the highest scoring game out of all of them.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think whoever wins this game might win the Heisman as far as the quarterbacks are concerned. I think this is going to be a one score game. I think it's going to be a shootout. I don't see any way that this doesn't live Mm -hmm. up to the hype. This is the final ever PAC 12 game. And it's ironic because both these teams are going to be in the big 10 next year. But I mean, Oregon's playing as well as anybody in the country, Washington beat Oregon. They're, Kind of been scraping by the last couple weeks. Maybe they're just kind of saving everything up for this game. I think it's going to be fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it really does suck how Washington has to beat Oregon twice yeah. to get into the and Oregon only has to it's win really once. Doesn't, doesn't go seem to play. fair, but it's kind of backwards. Yep, yep. I mean, Oregon is the better team though. Elite, elite rushers. Obviously, yeah, they average 225 rush yards a game. That's absolutely insane. You know, Bucky Irving, Jordan James, Bo Nix has a lot of legs on him too. Um, I've been impressed by Washington's defensive line, though, and their ability to pass rush. They're elite pass rushers. Their whole defensive line is pretty good on that regard. But like I said, Bo Nix does has a good pair of legs on him, so I don't expect that to be a huge issue. And yeah, I mean, you talk about an intriguing storyline. This is going to be basically the Heisman I think game. So. Whoever wins this game will probably win the Heisman. You don't think Jaden Daniels, Jane Daniels will, should win uh, the Heisman? Have
1: but I think the hype is going to give it to one of these mm-hmm. guys.
0: Yeah, especially because recency bias is going to hurt him. Obviously, him not playing in the SEC championship game is going to really, really hurt Jaden Daniels because it's recency bias is definitely a thing. Let's move on, though. SEC championship game, Georgia Alabama. Um, Yeah, I I mean Alabama leads the SEC in scoring defense at fifteen point eight. Kind of, uh, kind of weird there. It's definitely going to be the best defense Georgia has probably faced all All year long. Do you think so? And that's what I. Yeah. Best offense, maybe, too. Yeah. which especially I, I would and so. yeah. play. I,
1: I think George is going to win. I think George has been the more complete team this year. I think offensively, Carson Beck has been fantastic. The running game started to pick up the last couple weeks, and I think the better defense belongs to Georgia. Now, I mean, Alabama won this game in a similar spot a couple of years ago, so nothing would surprise me. Alabama is undefeated at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, including a couple of national championship oh. games and a playoff game. But hmm. – I think Georgia's going to win. I think it's going to be close, but I would say Georgia wins like 31-27. I think it, this might be the best game of the yeah. weekend.
0: It has to be error-free error, error free yes. for Alabama. Um, not like last week, they had eight penalties, eight really costly penalties. They've been having some yeah, their offensive well. line this has to be error
1: at times. And Alabama's won a yeah. lot of games – Close, you know, South Florida they struggled, Arkansas they struggled, Auburn they struggled. They're gonna have to up their level of play against Georgia, but I mean, don't count out Nick Saban.
0: Yeah, I think the the defense will be able to hand handle Georgia. I don't know if the offense will be able to keep up yeah. with Georgia. I mean, Alabama's um, one of the best in the country at red zone conversion rates. Only like fifty one and a half percent of teams that enter the twenty yard line get, actually get a touchdown for against Alabama. Uh, amazing pass rushers, you know Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell. Secondary: Coley McKenzie, Taryn Arnold. They definitely have the defense to stand up against Georgia. I don't think their nah. offense is going to be. Um, it's not going to be able to stay uh, stay in tune though. And I think, like I said, I, I agree, Zach. Georgia probably will end up giving Alabama their first loss at Mercedes-Benz. Alabama's better at turning the ball over, though. They they do force more yeah. turnovers and are better at that in that area than Georgia. But still, not going to be able to keep up offensively. Uh, Big Twelve title game in Arlington, uh, Oklahoma State, Texas, uh, Longhorn Longhorns seeking their first league title game since 2009. Yeah, uh, both teams, yeah, you would you wouldn't expect that, right? It's been a while. Uh, doesn't seem like it's that long ago, but 2009 is definitely a long time. Uh, Texas, both running the ball and stopping the run. I mean, they they can run the ball and. They don't allow people to really run the ball against them either. I do think Texas is going to win this game. It's a must-win for Texas, obviously, to have any chance to make the playoffs. Uh, they had they've held the last five opponents to under 100 yards of off or rushing. yards yeah. of rushing. Uh, yeah, rushing. And I just think it's going to be Oklahoma State's going to have their hands full against Texas. Yeah, this, I'm with
1: this, you. Uh, Oklahoma State's too inconsistent. Weekend. Quinn Yours is back healthy. Texas beat Texas Tech by 50 last week. They're starting to play a little bit better. Uh, they run the ball very well. They don't allow teams to run on them Oklahoma State is led by Ollie Gordon one of the best running backs in the country but if he gets stopped their passing game's been iffy this year and I don't expect Texas to let Ollie Gordon go off so I I like the Longhorns here their last game ever
0: Twelve. yeah right it's 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 sad but yeah we'll see um I don't I don't have much else to really say about that game but we do I mean we already touched base on Michigan Iowa a little bit um, Hardball will be back um, Since the divisional alignment The Big Ten East is 9-0 Against 10. the Big Ten West in the championship game Yeah, no no surprise there It will be 10 after this weekend uh, Michigan is 7th in the nation in rush defense For both yards per game And yards per carry At, uh, at 91 in they'll, They allow 91 yards per game in rushing And only 3 yards per carry And Iowa's only real chance In this game is probably rushing the ball And they're not going to be able to and uh yeah i i if i was a betting man which i don't even know if i will bet on this game but i think i would even take michigan's 21 and a half points the only problem is like i could see michigan just getting up by 14 and then just you know Iowa's just gonna run the clock yeah, out that and could happen. they're just gonna play they're just gonna manage the clock so that's why i actually probably would i mean i would be afraid to bet that much points under, for michigan obviously. because i think yeah under yeah under and i'm gonna actually take uh iowa plus 21 because i think i do think michigan will just get up really really early and they're not going to be able to score points to come back and michigan's not gonna have any reason to have to keep yeah. scoring so last championship game to preview louisville florida state uh louisville's first ever acc yep. game title game i know we've talked about it already uh jeff Brom, uh you know brought, brought purdue to the big 10 title game last year and now he brought louisville uh rodemaker, i think rodemaker for tate rodemaker for fsu is going to struggle against louisville's defense uh louisville is one of the best defenses in the league he struggled against florida last week only threw 434 yards and uh had a season low for the seminoles at 24 so it's gonna be a tough game i i i we already kind of alluded to it i think louisville is definitely gonna have a chance to beat florida state in this oh game there's no sure. question
1: about it i think there's a really good chance i mean tate rudemaker did beat louisville last year I think the big question this game is, can Louisville contain those True. big-time receivers, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson? They've got the size to match up with those guys, but Florida State easily has the best receiving court that Louisville's gone against this year. And can Louisville run the ball consistently? They didn't do that last week against Kentucky. George Jordan and Isaac Arendo both were held under 50 yards in that game, so they're going to have to be able to run the ball against Florida State and not put it in the hands of Jack Plummer, who's been a little bit inconsistent this year. I think... I think Florida State wins. I know I live in Louisville, and I know I work for the yeah. Louisville Station, but I think Florida State wins a I don't close know that, game because I just don't trust Jack Plummer enough, even against Tate Rudemaker. I think Florida State last week was kind of a shock going with a backup quarterback. I think they've had another week to kind of get prepared and deal with that fallout. And they're one game away from going to the playoff. I don't think they're going to let it slip by. I got the knolls
0: um yeah you know i mean i could where's charlotte. the game at where's this game actually at yeah. it isn't charlotte oh that's weird oh okay um the other uh, group of five games a group a group of five championship games going on i think the best way to handle this is uh, which we're not going to really have to go over all of them but what games do you guys think is the most intriguing uh out of these group of five uh championship games going on i'll start us off um i do want to see if the liberty uh, liberty can Stay undefeated. Liberty already had its first perfect regular season in pro, in the program's 50-year history. Uh, they just got into the top 25 in the team's um, uh, the whole team's history of time. Uh, obviously, only one of the five undefeated FBS teams. And yeah, I mean, they've been they've had an awesome season, and I want to see if they can remain undefeated uh, after this weekend uh, when they ended up when they end up playing New Mexico State, uh, which. They've been playing pretty good too, so I think it might actually be a pretty good game, and I would love to see Liberty, you know, have that perfect season. Yeah, I want to see the year, if they lanes They've can been really get building back something
1: to the New Year six for the second straight year, which they probably would do if they beat SMU. Remember, they beat USC in the Cotton Bowl last year.
0: Yeah, so that's that's yeah. your most intriguing of these. Justin, do you have anything you want to say about these games? Uh, these, uh, you know, as they say, Group of Five championship games coming up.
2: I mean, we'll go with Georgia and Alabama, right? I mean, those are just oh. easily the most intriguing games and pretty much obvious. I mean, Georgia's going to try and yeah. get into the college football playoffs again as the number one seed for trying to go for a three-peat, and Alabama being, you know, could could play spoiler. Yeah.
0: Miami, Toledo, I don't really have much to say. Boise State, UNLV, yeah. I don't really, you know. Uh, overshadowed of course by the <laughs> by the bigger games uh complaint of the week let's start with complaint of the week before heading into our interview with Jeff Fletcher uh Zach what is your complaint yeah my
1: complaint of the week is everybody pointing at Ryan Day's record and being like oh 56 and 7 he's a great coach look as I mentioned one and six against top five teams He's beating everybody he's supposed to beat. He's not beating the good teams. That just doesn't fly at Ohio State. you got to beat Michigan. People outside of the state of Ohio do not understand how important that game is. And you lose three in a row, that's a fireable offense. He's not getting fired after this year, but he's under a lot of pressure now. And I don't want to hear people justify Brian Day being a great coach just straight on record. Look at the teams in the Big Ten outside of Penn State and Michigan. You and I would go 40-0, 41-0 against Rutgers, Maryland, Iowa. Like, of course he's winning those games. If, if he doesn't win those games, it's a bigger story than anything else. So, yes, look past the, the straight record. Look at the record against the quality opponents, and it's just not there.
0: Yeah, well, we said it before. All they care about is Michigan, Ohio State. Ohio State, State has three goals year, every year. Win the Big Super Ten, Bowl.
1: beat Michigan, win the national title. Yeah. He's going to go 0 for 9 the last three years. That's not good enough.
0: Well, really, those those are all kind well, of the same. <laughs> to, to beat Michigan, you got to get to the Michigan, Big Ten. Yes. You don't win exactly. the national title. Having by a chance Michigan, for the playoffs.
1: You get to the playoffs, yes.
0: Yeah. Well, having a chance for even the national yeah. title is a lot of that does on you go two all, out all of three, that that's rely on fine beating.
1: most years. But you cannot go over 3, and he's mm-hmm. done that three consecutive years. Or he's going to unless they somehow backdoor their way into the playoff, which I don't expect.
0: Right. My complaint of the week, I'm going to go with Mark Cuban, uh selling the Mavericks. Uh well selling majority stakes in the Mavericks. He'll he'll still have a little bit of stakes, I think is what I what I the way I look at it. But yeah, I mean he's leaving Shark Tank, selling the Mavericks. It's kind of a shame. He's one of the most fun owners in probably all of sports, really all of professional sports. He's one of the funnest most fun owners that we have and He's going to be selling the team. He's not going to really be around the team anymore. I know there's a lot of speculation on what he's thinking of doing. I've heard maybe even like running for president is something that might be on his radar, but he's definitely clearing up some spots, clearing up his time. Like I said, he is selling the Mavericks and he's leaving Shark Tank too. After the 16 years that the show has been in existence, he will be leaving that as well. So kind of sad. I mean, I like Mark Cuban. I think everyone loves Mark Cuban. He's a fun guy, fun millionaire. And uh, yeah, we'll be seeing less of him going forward. Justin, you have a complaint of the week. I know you were kind of struggling to find one. Yeah, sh- mm-hmm. so um, go for I'll it. go
2: with the with the Patriots here and Bill Belichick. I think they. I mean, I think it's time to to get rid of him. I think it's time to move on from Bill Belichick. I know the dynasty and all the the six championships throughout the twenty four years of his coaching. I mean, I I think that it's time to. I think it's time to move on, and another thing, I don't think that we should just let Bill Belichick walk out the door. I mean, especially with Robert Kraft running that team, I mean, he's he's probably going to let Belichick walk out the door or not, but I think there's going to be a change at the end of the year. Yeah. I don't think he can stop him from walking. If he, I mean, mm-hmm. he can
0: pretty much do whatever he wants at this point where do you guys think he'll end up next year i mean whether it be the patriots or somewhere else i think i know panthers are. that i've been hearing a lot about the panthers maybe going him going to the panthers. panthers i doubt he does do you think he leaves i really don't know chargers because he can oh? win right away he's got
1: okay. a quarterback
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah he yeah he could that's a, that's a good point panthers he <laughs> definitely could not do that so good point Move on, guys. Jeff Fletcher, interview with Jeff Fletcher. Awesome interview. Uh, breakdown, Shohei Otane. He's been a free agent now for month, month plus. So, um, Well, actually, more than a month because they didn't even go to the playoffs. So, uh, He's been pretty quiet, all things considered, but a little bit of an update he can give us, update on the Angels as well, what they have to do in the offseason. Angels pretty much have expectations to go to the playoffs at least every single year, and they haven't been doing that, especially with Mike Trout. What's happening with Mike Trout, what where, you know, what any rumblings of what he might do in the offseason as well? So, it's just overall awesome interview with him. And without further ado, let's head to Los Angeles and talk to Jeff Fletcher. Okay, we now head to the West Coast and talk to recurring guest Jeff Fletcher from uh, Beat Writer for the Orange County Register. Jeff, how are you doing? I think we had you back on, I think we had you on first, uh, early March, if not end of February, before uh. Yeah, right when the MLB was I think getting a little bit, you know, under underway uh with with training camp and everything still going on too, but I know we talked about Shohei Ohtani at that time. Uh his it was his last season as an Angel going into that season. Uh season is over now. We'll break down the Angels, talk about how they did this year, uh expectations going forward, offseason plans, but obviously, do you want to start with Shohei Ohtani updates with him, updates with his free agency now that he is a free agent season is over for the Angels. Um, you know, I don't want to start off too general, but what have you been hearing? What are the, any new updates, exciting updates about where he might be going next season? Uh, is he, you know, who he's talking to? What have you heard? What is the, uh, rumblings going on regarding him and where he might end up next
3: year? Uh, well, there really are no updates and no rumblings because his agent and, uh, him are keeping it all very quiet. And they actually have told teams that they want them to keep it quiet too, because they, would actually uh, hold it against the team if like word leaks about who they've talked to. So I think we're all still just going with the same assumptions that we had before this all started, which that uh, would be, you know, teams that could win and on the West coast probably have a little bit of an advantage, but uh, it's certainly not uh, limited. You know, I think the Cubs are a team also that, uh, people expect to be in there and uh, the Rangers obviously won the World Series so they're going to be in there too. but uh, you know beyond that you know let's talk about the, the Dodgers Angels, uh, Giants, Padres, Mariners, those kind of teams mm-hmm. I think are, are the most likely although maybe the uh, the Padres and Mariners for different reasons maybe dropped a little on that but I would say the Dodgers Angels and Giants probably are uh, the top three in some order.
0: Yeah, and you think he is going to? Because I know you mentioned the Rangers. Obviously, the Rangers just won the World Series, but you do think you do expect him to uh, stay on the West Coast. Then it sounds like.
3: I mean, I I just think that that's where his preference was before, and that there are some good choices on the West Coast. But uh, I I wouldn't rule out entirely. You know, the Rangers and Cubs were also in the mix the first time that he when he limited his initial list to seven when he first picked the Angels. The Rangers mm-hmm. and Cubs were both on there. And they both seem like reasonable destinations now, so I would, I would include them too.
0: What do you think? I've heard before about Shohei Otani, him being very quiet. I know his agent keeps him very mum, keeps it, you know, doesn't really mention a lot about him, keeps his private life and professional life really just under wraps, and doesn't really give much to reporters, say much to the media. What What is it about Shohei, Shohei Otani? Do you like? Do you think that makes him like that? Because uh, he would be obviously a great ambassador for the game. People would love to hear more from him. People would love to hear more about him. So why do you think, you know, in general between him and his agent, he is so uh, so secretive, so quiet uh, as far as you know, giving information out to the media? I think it's
3: just his his nature. I think he wants to focus 100 percent on baseball, which I think is necessary to do what he does you you can't Mm -hmm. you know have a lot of outside distractions and still be able to to compete at the level he competes as a as a pitcher and a hitter and uh i think that honestly there's not really a whole lot going on there besides baseball so it's not like we're missing out on some big story about how he's you know got all these wide-ranging interests besides baseball i think he's very focused on baseball and uh i think that he wants to eliminate distractions as much as possible and i think a part of that is uh is not talking to the media very much
0: let's talk about his injury that he had this this year obviously limited his pitching ability at the end of the season there do you think that's going to hurt his stock going forward in the free agency do you think that's going to hurt his uh contract negotiations and maybe even lose him some money next year wherever he
3: signs uh well, the answer for that is yes. It's it's going to hurt. Uh, he's not going to get as much money as he would have gotten before, but that's sort of a, a relative statement because he's still going to get probably the most money ever. And it's just he would have gotten even more than that. Uh, I think if he'd been if he'd finished the year healthy as a pitcher, then I think we would have been talking about like five hundred or six hundred million dollars. And now that he's not going to be able to pitch for at least a year, I think that it's we're probably looking more at the four fifty to. 550 range uh, just kind of my guess as opposed to being the 500 to 600 range um, so he's still, he's still going to get plenty of money
0: and um, do you think And it's just a shame that he doesn't really give much to the media as far as what he's thinking because I know the Angels would definitely love to have him and uh, we can talk about that right now uh, about just the Angels the season they had this year and Maybe the, anything they need to do going into the off season here, because uh, the Angels, again, many would consider, and I know you would probably consider too with the fan base in L.A. there, uh, definitely underperformed, uh, didn't really meet expectations uh, that they had going into this season. So what is it, you know, what are they going to change in the offseason, regardless of Shohei Otane, to help them? be a playoff team and reach the expectations that the fans have uh, for this team, especially with Trout still there as well. Yeah.
3: I mean, the the main thing they need to do to be better is just get more out of the guys they already have. It's not so much that they need to add five or six guys. They do do need to add some, but, but most of their improvement, if they're going to have it is going to be from the guys who are on their team right now, being better and being healthier than they were in last year. Obviously Mike Trout is number one on that list. Uh, he played half the season, and it was not quite a half a season up to his standards. Even they need him to to play the whole season and to be to be good. Uh, they need Anthony Rendon to play at least most of the season and be and be good again too. Uh, and then you look at their pitching staff. In twenty twenty two, they actually uh, I believe were ninth in the majors in ERA, which is plenty good enough to to be a good team. Yeah, and then a lot of those same guys basically everybody who returned from 22 to 23 got worse uh, as a pitcher. So they need to figure that out. They need to figure out how to get those guys back to where they were. Most of them are all still under 30, so there's still plenty of time for them. Uh, Maybe the new pitching coach is a difference. Maybe getting a new staff, looking at the analytics and the way they uh, guide the pitchers and the way they have them approach hitters, maybe that's the difference. Maybe having a veteran catcher back is a difference. Uh, Max Stassi, who was their catcher in 22, basically missed the whole 23 season because of a personal issue. I think that that's something that a lot of people uh, undervalued how important he was. So uh, if he's able to come back and play again in 24, that could certainly help. So that's going to be all of that put together is going to be the biggest piece to them making the jump to to become a playoff team. Mm-hmm. And then they probably need to add some some more relief arms and and maybe a starter and uh, and maybe another flexible position player who could sort of fill in wherever the holes spring up they had Gio Urshela last year he's a free agent now another player like him would be very helpful so they could plug him in you know if Rendon is hurt he could play third if uh you know Nolan Chinuel doesn't perform well at first base he could play first or if you know Brandon Drury gets hurt he could play second somebody that could move around like that would definitely be uh, useful
0: yeah, and, and I know they have, as you alluded to already, they have Ron Washington coming in, a new manager for the Angels. Any, um, what's the you know excitement with him coming in? What's the expectations for him, and uh, what's the viewpoint of the fans and his ability to be able to change this team around?
3: Well, I think the fans are uh, cautiously optimistic, but they've been through a lot in the last uh, nine years, and they're they're very skeptical about anything that that people think is going to. Turn the team around because it hasn't worked lately. But people in baseball love Ron Washington. Uh, players love playing for him. Everybody you talk to who's ever been around him says he's a great guy and a great motivator, great leader. So we'll see how all that plays out. Uh, it certainly is not going to hurt. But they, you know, ultimately they need to, the players to perform better. And, uh, you know, if, if Ron Washington is a part of that, then that would certainly help.
0: So they're definitely, uh, Angels are still in win now mode going into next oh, yeah. year they they don't want to you know, sell out the team they don't want to i don't you don't really tank in baseball but they they are still in win now Because i know i've been hearing some speculation about mike trout maybe going to philadelphia uh i know he's from south jersey obviously i'm not sure if you heard anything more about that potential trade coming down you know in the winter uh
3: mike trout's not getting traded i can tell you that um i mean Maybe somebody is going to play this back uh, three months from now and I'm going to look stupid, but I'm, <laughs> I'm 99.9% sure that he's not getting traded because he's really hard to trade, first of all. He's, he's 32 and he's been injured for basically a lot of the last three years and he's got $250 million left on his contract. Yep. So that's a hard contract to move. Uh, if you do, it's going to be – look at the Nolan Arenado trade when the Rockies traded Nolan Arenado with the Cardinals. The Rockies did not get some huge windfall of talent. They basically just got some of his contract off the books, and it was a favor to Nolan Arenado, basically. So that is what the Angels would be looking at for, for Mike Trout. And I just don't think that yeah. they want to do that. Uh, you know, Their owner, Artie Moreno, is a very competitive guy. I don't think he wants to just give away Mike Trout and pay him half of his salary to go play for somebody else. And I also don't think Mike Trout wants that. I think that Mike Trout... Right really he knows that he hasn't lived up to what he expects of himself over the last three years, and uh, he wants to be himself. And if he, if he goes and requests a trade, it's sort of like saying, hey, I want to get out of this you know, losing environment when he knows that uh, part of the reason they've been losing is because of him, because of him not being himself. And so I think that that's kind of a bad look. To, uh, to sort of put the blame on the team and say, I want out of here. You guys have failed me when it's he is responsible also, which he would be the first to tell you. So uh, for all yeah. those reasons, plus if you go to like a place like Philadelphia, you know, or New York and you start to be hurt and underperform, that's not a great environment that you really want to be in. So I don't think that Mike Trout wants to put himself into that situation. Um, I think that he wants to, get himself healthy, perform the way he has performed, and help the Angels win. If we'd been sitting here and he had three straight phenomenal seasons and the Angels were still terrible around him, I think we'd be having a different conversation. But just where he is in his career, uh, I, I don't think it makes a lot of sense for him or the Angels or the, another team to take him yeah. at $250 million for seven years for a 32-year-old. So,
0: yeah, he – you can definitely hurt his value going to Philadelphia for sure. I mean, spotlight would be on him and him not playing his injuries. And he actually – he it sounds like he still has a lot more to prove to Angels fans for what, what you're saying as well. And and you mentioned how hard he is to trade. I mean, he I think he's averaged only 79 games over the past three seasons. I know, um, you know, the Phillies payroll, I mean, the, they can't even afford him, the Phillies payroll, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, but, yeah, I mean, definitely he's coming off his worst season as well. point eight point. Uh, Eight five eight, excuse me, OPS and uh, a career high twenty eight point seven strikeout rate in his eighty two games he played last season. Again, with injuries, so yeah, it, it's he's a little hard to trade. and might not be uh, the best year to even do it, considering the year that he just had. But I think he, it's good to hear that he'll stay the he'll stay at Los Angeles because uh, I like him as an angel, and he can always go back to the East Coast later in life. Who knows? But what is a big name? Um, I know you kind of mentioned already about the angels in the off season, their offseason off season plans, what they have to do next year to kind of get them back to winning ways, get them back in the playoffs. What, um, is there any, big name in the off season that the angels are eyeing up to maybe, uh, make a, make a run for,
3: uh, well, they're pretty quiet about who they're looking at, but I think we can assume that any prominent pitcher is on their list. Uh, I mean, they certainly could use guys like Blake Snell, Josh Hader, uh, you know, I guess a couple of them are already off the board, Jordan Montgomery. You know they definitely need some uh, another good starting pitcher to kind of put around the young guys they have and just give them mm-hmm. some, some more certainty. So I think they definitely uh, should be in the running for any of those guys. Um, a bullpen too. Um, they really their bullpen is really shallow right now. They've got a lot of young guys who sh- have shown some potential, but they could use some more established pitchers. And position player-wise, there's really just not that much out there. Uh, I think, you know, a guy like Justin Turner could be useful to them just because he plays different positions, you know. And uh, Cody Bellinger, obviously, because he can play first base and outfield, could be useful. But I think that a lot of teams might be a little cautious about Cody Bellinger just because his last year was so much better than the previous years. So that might be a little bit of a risky proposition for them. But – uh Really, there's definitely a lot of things that they need.
0: Yeah. So American American League this year to make the playoffs, wild card team. Uh, that was about eighty nine, ninety wins. Blue Jays got in with eighty nine wins. So let's just say to be safe in the American League next year, have to win ninety games to be one of those wild card teams. Might be hard to win the division, obviously with the Astros and Rangers, unfortunately, in your division, but. Do you feel confident in this team making the right moves in the offseason to maybe get 90 wins and get the team back into the playoffs, which is what, of course, all the fans want to see?
3: Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. As I said before, I I don't think that the moves they make this winter are going to be the difference. You know, if you take a 73-win team and if if you add uh, seven wins worth of players from the outside, that's a great winter, that would get them to 80. So that's still not good enough the rest of those wins have to come from the, the guys they already have so uh i think that's going to be the biggest difference you know like you know sandoval detmers canning Shawnwell, netto ohapi moniac trout rendon all these guys have to do better and they all can do better we've all seen better from them so that's going to be the question if that happens then they certainly they could get to you know 90 wins but uh if it doesn't happen then they're not going to, regardless of who they bring in.
0: What's your take on, just in general, talk some general MLB now, general baseball, what, what was your take on the uh, uh, role changes they've had this year? I'm assuming you liked it. I, I think it's been, pretty, it's been regarded pretty highly by everyone. I don't think many people uh, had a problem, especially with the pitch clock this year. Many people did like it. But I do want a second part to that question. What is your take on... The bickering and the complaining that we've had about the playoff structure this year, um, you know, I know a lot of people were arguing about the buy for the top-seeded teams that hurts the top-seeded teams. Uh, you know, MLB teams aren't baseball teams aren't used to having weeks off. So, what was your overall position uh, just on the role changes that we had this year going into the season? And then, second part of that question, like I said, was what was your what, what was your take on? all the uh, feedback and all the backlash about the playoff structure uh, the MLB is receiving lately?
3: Uh, Well, the rule changes I loved. The the pitch timer is the greatest change to happen to baseball in my lifetime. I'm 53 years old, so that's – it was amazing. Uh, Basically cut 25 minutes out of games and you didn't lose anything. So it makes you wonder what that 25 minutes was. It was just guys standing around doing nothing. So uh, I think that was awesome. Um, The shift restriction, I don't think anybody missed that. Uh, you know, I don't think it changed the game too much, but I don't think it really lose anything. And the bigger bases, I don't know that that really, I mean, there were a few more stolen bases, but I don't think it really changed as you are sitting, watching game, you know, the, that you could tell the difference between there being, you know, one and a half stolen bases per game or one stolen base per game or whatever the numbers were. Uh, as for the playoffs, I think it's really too soon to tell, you know, we've had two years of this and, uh, you know, I think that some of the teams that have gotten that bye have lost, but it's you, – you need more than two years to know if that's just a fluke or if it's an actual problem having those days off. I still think even if you, if you ask those teams that lost, say would you rather have played in that first-round series, they would, none of them would have done it. They would all say they would rather have the bye because you cannot lose while you're off. And uh, it gives you a chance to have all your pitchers fresh. And the team that went through that extra series, you know, sure their their hitters might have been fresher because they got to see live pitching, but they were using their starting pitchers and their relievers and all that stuff that's, that that adds up on you. And uh, I think that in the big in the long run, I think it's definitely better to have the buy. Uh, I think one small tweak that I wouldn't mind is um, when you get into that wild card series, if there was a like a really big gap maybe you make a rule where if if a team had ten more wins than the other team that they're playing during the regular season that they start off the series up one o so it basically makes it like a best of two so that gives you really a significant advantage but you're still that's gonna cut basically one day out of the the gap in between and uh, so you're still gonna have the same situation so uh, but beyond that, I don't really think there's too much you can do about it and uh, I think that we need more time to see if it's really a problem yeah
0: people would complain about that then too (laughs) people are going to complain about everything
3: the the, the other point that i like to bring up is if the the point is to just have the best team to figure out what the best team is we have 162 games to do that if they if they wanted to just say like who's the best team they would just give the trophy to the team that won the most games after 162 on october 1st and it would be over The reason that they don't do that is because they want drama and to make a lot of money. And so if you're going to have drama, you're going to have short series where teams can get eliminated and lesser teams can beat good teams. That's what makes entertainment. That's why it's, it's the entertainment business. It's not just the evaluation business and let's figure out what the best team was and give them a trophy. You would just do that after 162. So it doesn't bother me if a team, with a worse record, beats a team with a good record because that's what the playoffs are. That's why they have them.
0: Yeah, and I I just don't think it's really in America's – like American sports lore, I just don't think that's really in our – you know, what we see a lot. You know, NFL, best team wins. NBA, better team wins. NHL, better team wins. So you don't really see a whole lot. NHL is
3: actually much less than baseball even. True. The NHL playoffs are basically every game's a coin flip. So you can't use that example, I don't think. An eight seed yeah. wins in the NHL every year, you
0: know? No, it's true. No, it, uh, oh. NHL is maybe not the best example, but yeah. I just think people, I, it's just part of American uh, lore in sports that they just like to see the better team win. But I'm, I'm all for a, a worse or a team beating a better team. And I think it, like you said, it adds drama and it adds uh, more excitement to to the playoff structure. So I, I'm all for it. Because it doesn't sound, based on what you're saying, it doesn't sound like you really believe in the whole rust Uh, factor anyhow like you don't think teams having off really creates that rust as we always hear i mean i think that
3: we off the top of my head we've had eight eight of these series so far and Mm -hmm. the number one seed has won three of them i think yeah so what would you expect it to be like six out of eight like in the long run yeah something like that so uh you know we, we definitely need more games to figure out if it's really if what the percentage really is more than eight. yeah,
0: Sample size is too yeah. low yeah. for sure. Um, well, yeah, uh, Jeff, this has been awesome. Like I said, I really appreciate your time. This has been really uh, nice talking baseball with you. Any, uh, you know, any predictions going into next year, any, you know, big sunny, you could see another team making anything you've been hearing in the, in the rumblings as we can, you know, as baseball kind of hits, it's, you know, obviously quiet season right now um as you know a training camp is going to start happening here soon too any any uh you know major predictions that you might hear down the line that a team uh, could make whether it be the angels or another team
3: i uh, try not to make too many predictions makes me look right. stupid when they're when yeah, i know i don't so i don't blame you we'll see i don't blame you we'll, just, we'll all wait and see what happens
0: how's the book going um show time. the uh, it's uh, it's the, great
3: that uh, story of shohetani yep uh, yeah, there was an updated version of it uh, that came out this year that included the 22 season and the WBC. So anybody oh, cool. who didn't buy the book the first time around uh, could still pick it up on uh, Amazon or wherever you buy books. And hopefully if Otani does end up on another team besides the Angels, that all that team's fans will want to buy the book to uh, to get caught up yeah. on how he got to where he is. So uh, we'll, we'll just see what happens.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there'll be an update. Uh, at that point too, maybe next year after all said and done potentially, we'll but yeah, so <laughs> full name, Showtime: the inside story of Shohei Otani and the greatest baseball season ever played. Uh, you can find that at anywhere, right? Amazon, wherever yeah. they sell books. So,
3: well, Jeff, and the paperback, awesome. the paperback is the updated one. So if you uh, have a choice oh, of perfect. two, you should pick up the paperback. I,
0: I for one am a fan of paperback over hard cover, So, <laughs> Well, Jeff, this has been really, this has been awesome again. I really appreciate your time coming on again, recurring guest, and uh, we'll have to be in touch and have you on again in the future. Okay. Talk some angels and let's see maybe after what happens with Shohei Otani, uh, maybe discuss some things more then too.
3: All right. Thanks for having me. All
0: right, Jeff, we'll be in touch. Okay. Okay. Okay, let's finish up with makers and fakers of the week. Justin, who is your maker of the week? My
2: maker of the week is the Denver Broncos. They've really turned that team around, and for Sean Payton and Russell Wilson winning their last five games, there's not going to be a coaching change in Denver. There's not going to be a quarterback change in Denver. Obviously, with the way things are going, the Broncos might be a wild card team in the AFC. And for the Broncos... Who knows? They could even be a contender in the AFC. The AFC is still wide open in my opinion. The Chiefs, the the Ravens being at the top right now, but could the Broncos be a sneaky team? They could. They could be a sneaky team in the AFC. It's wide open. Even uh, sure. even teams like the Dolphins, Jacksonville, I mean, I know we said the Dolphins haven't beat a f- over 500 team, but they have beaten the Broncos at the beginning when they put up 70 points on them, but now the Broncos are much different. Are a much different team from that point on. So I'd say the Broncos are my maker of the week, and they could be a dark horse yeah. in the AFC.
0: They tied the they they have the they're tying the Eagles for the um, you know la- largest uh, winning streak <laughs> in the NFL right now. So that's a yeah. Kind of weird to have the Broncos name uh, aligned with the Eagles and something very weird. I want for my maker of the week. I'm going to go with Tulea to- Tagovailoa. I always get his name wrong Tua's brother, obviously, at Miami, uh, my, uh, Maryland. Uh, uh, Tulea, he became uh, the Big Ten all time passing leader. Threw for 361 yards and three touchdowns while completing 24 of 31 passes in Maryland's 42 to 24 victory over Rutgers at the end of the, se- end of the season. Uh, he surpassed the Big Ten's passing record with this performance, uh, pre- previously set at 11,163 by uh, former Purdue quarterback Curtis Painter. But now, after this Saturday's past victory against Rutgers, he now holds the Big Ten all-time passing record at 11,256. So yeah, I mean, kind of, um, yeah, a sneaky little stat there. Uh, Maryland, obviously not a very good team this year, but to his brother, getting it done in the Big Ten. Uh, he eclipsed 3,000-yard mark each of his last three seasons. This year, marked the second time he's thrown for 25-plus touchdowns in a single year, um, and he has a 67% completion rate yeah, I mean, he's been balling out in Maryland, uh, hasn't really gotten the recognition because the team is so bad. But overall, I mean, now he's he leads the Big Ten in all time passing, uh, all time passing leader. So yep. good for Tulia. Uh, Zach, what's your my maker of the week
1: is going to be Jordan Love, 22 at 32, 268 yards, three touchdowns against the Lions. And you see his stats through his first 11 games are eerily similar to Aaron Rodgers stats through his first 11 games. Jordan Love is the last couple of games started to look like the future of the Packers, and I don't know if he's going to turn out to be Jordan or turn out to be Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. But mm-hmm. the Packers aren't drafting a quarterback this year. I think we've seen enough development out of Jordan Love that he's earned himself an opportunity to play next season. And a Packer team that people were talking about a couple of weeks ago is one of the worst teams in the NFL. Now all of a sudden five and six, and you look at the wild card standings with the Vikings losing against the Bears the other night. Packers have a realistic path to get into the postseason now, and it's because Jordan Love has really played well. And he didn't really do it with much of a running game on Thursday. I mean, the leading rusher was A.J. Dillon. He had 43 yards rushing. So it wasn't one of those where they helped him out and he just happened to make plays. Jordan Love looked like a franchise quarterback on Thursday, on Thanksgiving. He was spectacular. Jordan Love's my maker of the week.
0: Yeah, under the sure. bright lights, too. You know, Thanksgiving, that's only game on at that time. A lot of people are watching. Faker of the week. Justin, who is your faker of the week? My
2: faker of the week is the stats for Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett had 278 yards, no touchdowns, and no interceptions. Is this guy going to actually throw touchdowns or interceptions? They basically don't tell him to do anything in Pittsburgh. I mean, those stats <laughs> I feel like are deceiving by, for uh, for Kenny Pickett. I mean, he's not the right quarterback for that team, obviously. I know they just fired the offensive coordinator, but I could – I could see the Steelers getting a new quarterback in the future.
0: Yeah, we talked about it on Tuesday's show. He um, he currently holds the you know NFL uh, mark for most attempts, like most pass attempts without an interception. I think, you know, me and Zach we talked about it on Tuesday. That's actually probably the problem for the Steelers. (laughs) They need him to be a little bit more. a little bit more aggressive with the ball, especially now that Matt Canada has gone, especially when we saw it a little bit this past weekend against the Bengals. So hopefully they can, they can keep that going. My faker of the week, um, Lakers, uh, they've looked very, very flat over the past few weeks, playing well in the in-season tournament. Uh, one of the best records in the in-season tournament, but I don't think people really care about that. No one really cares about that. Actually, even the players, um, Got blown away by the Sixers uh, this past week. I think it was Monday night maybe that happened or Sunday night. Um, I think it was like the seventh largest loss in Lakers history, which for the Lakers, that's pretty huge being, you know, how historic of a franchise that is. It was LeBron's worst loss of his career. Uh, uh, Sixers, of course, like I said, beating the Lakers this past week uh, by over 44. Um, Lakers have just been really, really bad. They played the Cavaliers, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago too. They allowed 40 – or recently not recently they played the Cavaliers. Forty points in the first. Like I said, they just they've have looked so flat lately. Uh Lakers not really looking good over the past few weeks. They have a lot of things to consider, a lot of things to figure out um heading into this uh you know, not really second half, but heading further down into the season they have a lot of things to figure out. Zach, finish us off. What is your fake of the week's week?
1: gonna be sports illustrated. I mean, first of all you've got AI generated issues. You're not even you're, you're too lazy to have your writers write stuff. So there's that. And now today it's been announced that the sports person of the year is Deion Sanders. For what? I mean, Deion Sanders, yeah, he turned <laughs> a 1-11 team around. But they went 4-8. and They had a great month of September. Yeah. After that, they were terrible. Why yeah. in the world is Deion Sanders the sports person of the year? I know that... They had all these celebrities there. I know that they had game day there. I know they had big new kickoff. I get all the attention they got early in the season, but the last two months, they were just a bad football team. And so we're rewarding mediocrity now for sports person of the year when there are so many better candidates to have this position. I mean, what about the Kelseys? They played each other in the Super Bowl, and Travis Kelsey is now the biggest superstar in the world because he's dating Taylor Swift. I mean, why couldn't Travis Kelsey have been sports person of the year? How about, you know, Nikola Jokic, who – Turned into the best player in the NBA and helped lead the Nuggets to a championship. Why in the world is Deion Sanders the sports person of the year for having coaching a 4-8 football team? What are we doing here, Sports Illustrated?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's for sure. Um, I don't even think it's going to be a good season next year for the Buffaloes either. I know a lot of people are saying that he's, he's kind of facing... Uh, recruitment issues right now. He's not getting as much attention on the recruitment side as people thought he would be doing. So I don't. There's even speculation that next year is going to be pretty bad for him as well. And you alluded to it's that he he did well in September, but that's also a time when teams really have no idea what they're doing yet. Either teams are still trying to find themselves. Uh, teams are still trying to find their rhythm, how to play with each other, all that. So as as impressive as his start was, it, I mean, looking back on it, especially with the, how they ended the season, it really isn't yeah. <laughs> as impressive as you would well, no. think it is. Uh, we'll see how he does next year, though. We'll see. A lot, a lot, to, a lot to see next year in, in uh, Colorado. Awesome show, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll do it again on Saturday. Hubakarsh Karsh uh, coming on, uh, NFL insider, going to break down the season so far. Uh, just a general talk with him, just about the NFL so far. Uh, you know, teams that surprised him, teams that upset him. And uh, any predictions he has going down the second half of uh, this, you know, this this last stretch of the season, excuse me. And uh, yeah, we'll break down our NFL preview as well, get you ready for uh, week uh, thirteen, right? Yeah, week thirteen of the NFL. And uh, but until then, we'll see you Saturday, and keep on traveling.